Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 29 of Hollywood Week, the podcast. My name is Keenan Culler, and I am joined once again by the heart of Chicago, the almost doctor, and the headliner of Lollapalooza. It's Case and Culler. Case and how you doing tonight? What's up, Keenan? That's right. They canceled Miley. They brought me in. What can I say? Um, I'm doing good. Uh, I have been somewhat annoyed by all the people running around the streets wearing ridiculous clothes for Lollapalooza this weekend, but it's over now, so we can all be happy about that. Yo, did they really cancel Miley, or were you joking? I was joking. Uh, They did not bring me in to replace Miley. Thank God, man. (laughs) As soon as you said that, I was imagining you... Um, in your underwear on that wrecking ball swinging around the stage. <laughs> no, dude, I went to like five rehearsals and then they cut me at the last second. It sucks. Now, Kaysen, we should give the listeners a heads up. One of our, one of, I can't speak for you. One of my best memories is going to Lollapalooza in Chicago Ooh. with you. That is a pretty amazing memory. Uh, we saw, I know we saw Florence and the Machine. I'm trying to remember who we saw before that. J. Cole? We saw J. Cole for Heck sure. Yeah. There were a lot of like kind of weird hipster like slash hip hop fans there that yep. were uh, comprised of of his you know audience. But it was a great time. We went for Florence and the Machine. I remember being in a sea of bodies, dude. A yeah. sea of bodies. And I told you we were right by the railing. Really good position. I said, do not let go of this railing. Yeah, because we are going to get pushed around like we're in the ocean after the Titanic sank. And Jack said, don't let go of my hand. (laughs) Right. That's right. We're going to get pushed around like a Pixar by Disney. Wow. Okay. Case in relevant humor. I like it right off the top. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) Case and this is going to be a fun episode. We're doing something big tonight. We have done a few different top 10 lists um, in our run of the podcast, but tonight's going to be a fun one. Now, in season one, I believe this was episode 19, we dropped our top 10 television dramas of all time. Yes, we did. We've had enough drama this year and last year, Case, and why don't we flip the script tonight and we're going to drop our top 10 television dramas comedies of all time let's laugh i love it i need some heartwarming uh chuckles going on here during this year now the only question i have how high is everybody loves raymond gonna be on your list (laughs) and how high is two and a half men gonna be on your list those are my big questions those are tough those are tough i had to kind of negotiate them around the big bang theory to make room um so it's gonna be tricky but my biggest question for you keenan is uh did you put the cosby show at number one or number two Oh, the, the, the pudding pops and the pudding and the, the, I'm free from prison because of technicality. Uh, <laughs> sorry, too soon, too soon. Kaysen, uh is Bill Cosby, like, can you, this is a good question because we answered a question, I believe, last week about if we can separate the art from the artist. Can you still watch the Cosby show or is that too much? Well, Keenan, I never watched it in the first place, so I'm not really the right one to ask, but, uh, I think it might be too much, to be completely honest. I think it's too much, dude. This guy was supposed to be America's dad, and now he's America's creepy, roofie uncle, you know? And it's like all the lessons that he taught Theo, I think that was that kid's name, Theo, it's like they're all BS, dude. He's he's a rapist, Mm -hmm. man. I agree. That's too much, man. (laughs) That's too much, man. Anyway, Kaysen, this is the Hollywood Week podcast. We drop this each and every Tuesday for your listening pleasure. We got the social (laughs) media game going Super strong. Follow us on Instagram at Hollywood underscore week. 
Um, the Phelps picks are coming. I got the lighting right. Everything's great. I just got to get the photographer. So anybody out there who knows how to snap a pick, hit me up. Keenan, have you seen any of Michael Phelps action uh, this year at the Olympics, like doing interviews and stuff? Have not been following it. What's up? Is he st- is he wearing a speedo on the sidelines? No, he's not. But he just really has a different vibe going on. He has like a lumberjack beard that I appreciate. He went full Dexter, dude. <laughs> he did. He let he just let himself go over the past four years. Do you think he's like how how does he look physically? Like does he look like he's still oh. eating Subway or did he move over to Popeyes? No, no, no. I think he's still <laughs> I think he's still eating Subway. <laughs> He still looks uh, like he could go take out anybody in a swim if he had to. Could Michael Phelps outswim a dolphin with <laughs> a messed up dorsal fin? Uh, is is that the plot of a movie? No, it should be. Oh. But what do you think? I think he probably could. Me too. Uh, Case, and we also got the Facebook group. That is the bread and the butter. That's the Michael Phelps and the Simone Biles. Uh, <laughs> why don't you hype the Facebook group, man? What's up? Yeah, man. Uh, Facebook group is amazing. Check it out. Go over to Hollywood Week, a celebration of movies and television. You can get in the discussions over. I, I was about to spoil your upcoming question. I was Don't do about it. To, I won't. I'm going to save it. You can jump in discussions. You can participate in polls. You can see what's coming soon to theaters near you. And of course, you can keep up with our new episodes. But Keenan, hit me with uh, hit me with your query. Case, and it's not my query. It's our boy, Matt Chang, who's fresh off recent suspension for his oh controversial God. Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio comments. And <laughs> I think we almost suspended Matt Chang a couple weeks ago. What did he say? Oh, was it the Loki review? Or he said something that really bothered me and you didn't, you were not bothered by it. Do you remember it's this? hard to keep track, man. I, it might've been the Loki review. I don't know. Anyway, Chang's living on the edge, but he's back for one more ride in episode 29. He's asking us a doozy to start the episode off. Well, Keenan, you, did, you didn't ask me what the number one reason was to get on the Facebook page. Okay, so if, if you don't know after 29 <laughs> episodes, you ain't gone, no. So t- that's what I was trying not to spoil, man. You got to get on the Facebook page to get those questions in. That's exact. Thanks, Kaysen. For all the slow listeners out there, yes, for the 29th time, the reason you want to follow us on social media, the questions. Here comes Chang. He's coming in like a wrecking ball in full Phelps gear, he's wanting to know, rank the movie theater concession stand options. Hmm, I I like that question. Now, I can't remember if we've addressed this before. I feel like we've talked about concession stands. I, here's the thing. I'm not going to rank them, but I will tell you the highs and the lows, Kaysen. Oh, for sure, yeah. Why don't, what, we what should do you make got? a tier list. Give me a high. What What's your high, dude, for the concession stand when you got those munch, munch, munchies and you're about to go watch, uh, you know, an anime? What, what are you eating? <laughs> yeah, I feel like my philosophy on the concession stand is that I don't really want like the food that could be a meal. You know what I mean? I'm not into like the hot dogs, the nachos, like the things that feel like I should be eating them at a baseball game. I'm not really into that kind of vibe when I'm Amen. watching a movie. Amen, dude. If Listen, I will make a rare exception for nachos, a rare exception. <laughs> if you're in the theater eating a hot dog or even worse, like a quesadilla. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing, man? Go get dinner before the movie or after the movie. You don't got to eat it during the movie. Yeah, if I see you with a plate and cutlery, chopping it up <laughs> and, you know, using a fork and a Eating spoon. Eating a pork chop. 
eating vegetable soup. I, I'm not into it, man. I'm trying to watch Toretto on screen, dude. It Get ruins your- the movie. It brings back this memory of when I was in the IMAX theater at Navy Pier. These two dudes next to me got out a bag of Burger King, started unwrapping it, eating these Whoppers right next to me. I Unacceptable. Dude, Unacceptable. What, now what's up with pizza? No, dude, no. Just get just don't do it. Okay, honestly, the 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 prime movie theater option is the popcorn. It's iconic. It's a classic. If you want to just chew on something during the movie, the popcorn is the way to go. I'm all about it. Now, I'm also a fan of a lot of the candies, especially the candy that comes in those rectangular boxes. Also iconic. My personal favorite is the chocolate covered cookie dough balls. Kaysen, see, we have talked about this before because I remember you mentioning the dough balls. Um, I like the dough balls. I like the Sour Patch Kids. That's what you got to go for. Kaysen, you nailed it. Here's the thing. Now, my personal favorite's Milk Duds. Give me that rectangular cardboard box. (laughs) I'm getting duds all day, all night. You nailed it, though, with the popcorn. You want to go into the theater with something to munch on long term, dude. Exactly. If you buy, like a Snickers bar or a Milky Way, you're a dope. It's not worth it. You just paid five bucks for like two seconds of enjoyment. Yeah, you you can't, you finish that by the time, you know, Dom has said he loves (laughs) his family one time, dude. (laughs) If you got the duds, you got the popcorn, you got the dough balls, you're eating for a while, man. I can stretch that out to 20, 25 minutes if I need to. Yeah, sour Skittles. Now, I'm going to say something controversial here. Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) Chang and listeners, under no circumstance, as I've gotten older, I've realized this, no circumstance do you get a beverage at the theater. None. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Now, we've we've famously talked about the inception incident when I did long-term damage to my gallbladder, um, (laughs) and I learned from that. Yeah, is that where your pee comes from? (laughs) Your your regular bladder. (laughs) My (laughs) bladder. Okay, fancy. Di- okay. Yeah, okay, Kate. We don't know the medical term. Sure, <laughs> the 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 regular bladder. It. I'm sorry, I was trying to be fancy. Anyway, no I burst something. I did long term damage, and uh, that's it. So after that, yeah. I learned my lesson: no more drinks ever, ever, ever. Yeah, I think that's smart. I I always regret it, dude. I always regret it because I have to pee. It's true. Chang, great question. Way to start off the episode. Um, that can be, hey, if you follow us on social media, you can ask a uh, question just like that. Good job, Chang. Yep. You're, you're not suspended anymore. He's back. Unsuspended. Here we go. Case an all killer, no filler. Let's move right into the show. Let's talk about what we've been watching. Only a couple things this week, but I'm excited to talk about both of them. The first thing we're going to talk about is something we were hyped out of our minds to see. We talked about this at length last week. That is the brand new A24 movie starring our boy Dev Patel, The Green Knight. The Green Knight. Trailer looked insane. Visuals off the charts. Very ominous vibe. Very medieval Game of Thrones mixed with Del Toro, at least from the trailers. Case and we both got a chance to check this out. What are your thoughts on The Green Knight? Keenan, The Green Knight is a unique movie experience. Uh, I would say my number one takeaway is it is incredibly well executed, very thought provoking, definitely not for everyone. I think the biggest turnoff to a lot of people is going to be the pacing and the lack of 
action sequences if you're going in expecting that or really just the lack of action in general. But if you go into this movie expecting an artsy, experimental movie that really makes you think and really makes you consider what different things represent, uh, you're going to love it. I think it just depends on what kind of person you are. Personally, I did love it, and I think I like it even more now that we've talked about it a little bit and after I've thought about it more. I almost do want to see it again like soon just to kind of rehash some of these ideas that we've brought up. Um, it's a discussion movie. It's a visually beautiful movie with great performances and interesting to discuss, uh, the takeaways. Yeah, Kason, I totally agree. I love this movie. I think this movie perfectly, perfectly walks the line between being vague art house fair mixed with a traditional strong narrative that everybody can latch onto. You're exactly right. There are moments in this movie with the pacing where I feel like it's a little sluggish. They needed to trim some stuff here, maybe needed to pick it up a little bit energy-wise, but I feel like that's only a few specific parts of the movie. I don't think the entire movie is like a dull kind of slog, you know? No, I agree. I agree. It's more just like little sections here and there maybe could have uh, been a little more energetic, but Overall, man, Dev Patel killed it in this movie. He is definitely becoming one of my favorite actors. I just love him in everything he's in. We talked about how great of a James Bond he he would be if they gave him the the opportunity. Yeah, I, I still think he would be. He really he this. really dominates this movie. Um, I think tone like tonally, this is a very interesting. It's like hard to describe. I would say it's not quite as bizarre and not quite as fantastical as the trailers make it look, if you've seen the trailer for this. Yeah. But it definitely has moments, and when those hit, they go hard as hell. But for the most part, it's a pretty straightforward Game of Thrones-ish medieval story that's playing out. Simple to follow, simple to understand, but so much under the surface as far as what does this mean? What does that mean? What do you think this represents? Um, a great movie to discuss after you see it, which we did at length. And we had some totally different takeaways and that's awesome. Like totally different interpretations of what things mean, how things played out. And again, I don't think it's one of those movies like a 2001 space odyssey that's so vague. You're just, or tree of life, you know, that's like so vague. You're just staring at the screen. Like, what is this? Um, right. It gives you enough to latch onto, but you have to go in wanting to be challenged. And like you said, not wanting to just watch kind of a typical like uh, action fest of, of Dev Patel fighting off armies and monsters and stuff. Yeah, it's it's more of a character, like a character journey. And I think you just have to know that going in that the story is all about Dev Patel going on a personal internal journey. Like that's where most of the momentum of the movie is. There's really not a lot of like external conflict or opposition. You know what I mean? It's very much about him finding himself, growing as a person and like figuring out what he needs to change about himself, which obviously if you just hear that it's a movie about a night, it might not be what you would think, <laughs> but yeah, that's and, how it is. In case, and we got to touch on the visuals again, because man, oh man, the director, David Lowry, just absolutely killed it. This was shot in Ireland. There are so many sequences and scenes, and it's like, again, shows the importance of filming 
you know, on location, like actually go to the place because these landscapes are stunning and it's literally just Dev Patel on a horse or, you know, or on foot with just these wide shots, these sweeping shots. So beautiful, man. What do you think of the visuals of this movie? Uh, yeah, I thought they were incredible. I agree with you. I mean, really on multiple levels, because, yeah, there was so much beautiful scenery just kind of provided by the location they shot on. But then also the direction uh, just like was very creative. And I think that the director, David Lowry, obviously was not afraid to let certain shots linger for a long time to have a lot of like slow moving camera pans, you know, (laughs) uh, around the environment. And I thought it all worked incredibly well. And then of course there are multiple sequences in the movie that just have such a visual flair to them that it's like, you can tell that you're watching somebody who really knows what they're doing and really has like an artistic vision for, for what they're putting on the screen. There was like one specific shot of Dev Patel and his Fox companion who are on this journey together in silhouette walking up the side of this mountain. It was so beautiful, Kaysen. Hey, I'm going to give you a guess. Do you think I was eh, pelvic thrusting? <laughs> I hope not. I was. Do you think I was eh, shadow boxing? I bet you were. I was doing both those things, Case, and that's how hyped I was on these visuals. So anyway, David Lowry, director, great job. Um, he crushed it. Anything else you want to talk or want to uh, add to the conversation? It's kind of, again, like obviously with some of these movies we spoil, but this is not one that we're going to. So without really diving into the plot too much, this is to me is something that's better to just go into um, like fresh, you know? Like you don't yeah. want to know too much about this story. It does feel which is a compliment, which is a great thing. It feels very much like a medieval folklore, like tale that like you would read in a book as a kid, just with dark, you know, creepy elements to it. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. Had to sneeze there a second. Um, yes, I totally agree. I think that that's a great description and yeah, I don't think we should spoil it because I think it's best to go into it, not knowing too much. Absolutely. Case, and that's The Green Knight. I recommend everybody check that out if, again, you know what you're getting into and you want to be challenged. Yep. Case, and moving on, here's a fun one. Now, last week, you picked out uh, a movie for me to watch because of the trivia game that you won. Yes, I did. And I'm here to report back. I have watched this film. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm a changed man. (laughs) And uh, I got a lot to say. Kaysen, you picked the movie, the Studio Ghibli movie from, I believe, 1997. Yeah. Princess Mononoke. I learned how to pronounce it, too. Yeah. Can you believe this movie is from, like, 24 years ago? (laughs) Crazy, crazy, crazy. Kaysen, Studio Ghibli is one of the most acclaimed, beloved animated or animation studios on the planet, along with Pixar, I would say, right? Totally yep. different vibe, but uh, but as far as animation style. But uh, they are highly regarded. I think their stuff, obviously, they're based out of Japan. Their stuff le- leans a lot heavier into the anime vibes, which is why I think I yep. never really got into any of it or gave it a shot. So this is my first movie uh, from the studio. And this is one of their most acclaimed. So I think you picked a good one for me to uh, dive in. Yeah, this is the first one from them you've seen, right? You haven't seen like Spirited Away or how I have not seen Spirited Away, none of their other classics. Um, This is on HBO Max. So anybody who wants to dive into Studio Ghibli stuff, get on HBO Max. And uh, it looked great. Quality was fantastic. 
Um, it looked really good. But Kaysen, Princess Mononoke, the first question I asked after I finished this movie, uh, who was Princess Mononoke? I do not recall this character being in the film. So <laughs> maybe <laughs> you can shed some light on this. Uh, I was a little confused. But uh, overall, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I don't know wow. if I can quite say I loved it. Okay. Um, it's one of those things similar to when you had me watch Your Name that I was definitely into. It definitely intrigued me enough to where I want to watch other Studio Ghibli movies because the first thing we got to talk about are the visuals and just the mm-hmm. animation. Absolutely gorgeous. Yes. The from 24 col- years ago, dude. Incredible. It really is. It's, it's timeless, dude. Like stuff like this is just timeless. The colors are popping and vibrant. It just looks so good. And like we talk about so much, it looks different. You know what I mean? It doesn't look like anything that we see from Disney, from Pixar, from Sony, from DreamWorks, et cetera, et cetera. It looks like so much more time is put into these landscapes, these backgrounds. Um, it really was giving me very strong, uh, Zelda vibes. Oh yeah, totally. You know, whether you want to say breath of the wild or some of the earlier games, it really had that kind of Hyrule castle vibe where like really lush, like valleys and mountains and stuff and forests. It was just, it was so beautiful. All yeah. the different places they went to. And you can tell that all of it's so like carefully hand-drawn and like just, you know, created lovingly. Exactly. And something else I really liked about this movie, all the uh, disturbing, speaking of animation, just the disturbing creature designs in this movie. I mean, a lot of this movie takes place and we're not going to spoil Princess Mononoke in case you want to dive in out there. But a lot of this movie centers around like a a plague, we'll say, or like a curse that is taking over these animals. Um, And man alive, when these animals are cursed it looks like there are just worms and snakes like infesting their body yeah. <laughs> to where their entire body is almost covered by these moving, um, squiggling, like disturbing looking snake worm hybrid creatures. And it was really disgusting. The very <laughs> first time we saw it, like in the very beginning of the movie, great opening sequence to this movie. Mm-hmm. Man alive. We get yes. this like cursed boar, this cursed gigantic pig that is uh charging into this town causing havoc and our hero, uh Ashitake, is that his name? Yeah. Yep. He kind of saves the day. And again, Ashitake is a very, very like link like character, right? Uh-huh. I would say so. Um, very heroic. It's just a great action packed, like beginning to this movie. I was blown away by the visuals and just loved how gruesome and kind of gnarly a lot of the, uh, a lot of the animation was. So I was into it right off the bat. Awesome. I like that. Um, I think the other thing that's kind of cool, this is like a very deep, well-written layered story. You know, it's not a shallow hollow thing and that's a good thing, but I also feel like for some people, I don't want to say it's inaccessible. It just requires a little bit more out of the viewer. Sure. You know, I I never thought this went into full like mega dork territory, you know, (laughs) where it was like way too comp too complex and too like out there with like the spirits and the blah, 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 like too much into the anime world. It felt like it was very like well told and they explained everything. It was just, you know, for being an animated film, I I wouldn't really say this is geared towards kids. You know, almost oh, no like, way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely would say it's not. Yeah. I think this is much more of like an adult oriented movie, which is cool, which is great. It's just, you know, some of the stuff it, it's almost like when you do that, 
you have the, the fact there are so many goofy, like kid like things happening in the movie, but then the story is so adult. Sometimes those don't really mesh well for me anyway. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, that's fair. I, I think that I think that's how a lot of like, I know what you mean by there being a lot of kid like things in the movie, but I feel like that's just kind of the vibe of like even the adult centered movies, you know, that they put out. Um, but yeah. It was, ri- dude, you know what else this movie really reminded me of was something like Avatar, like the James Cameron Avatar. Oh, yeah, okay. You can really see a lot of, and I'm sure this movie was influenced by a lot of stuff that came before it, but like you can see so many of the things that were influenced by this movie. And like, you know, this is a very like pro-environmentalism, like really, I don't want to say message heavy movie, but it really was kind of like an Avatar thing where it's like respect nature, like respect things you don't understand, um, you know, seeing other people's viewpoints and, and it was cool how our main character, uh, Ashitake, he wasn't really on either side. He was right. trying to almost like in Avatar where like, even though the humans ended up being bad in Avatar, you know, our main character was kind of playing both sides. Yeah, definitely. Where he was more like, Hey, I'm not on your side. I'm not on your ear side. I just want you both to like come together and see the error of your ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, dude, I was into it. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, it's funny last week we were talking about watching things in their native language because that was not an option to me for this movie. Oh, really? Okay. You watched it dubbed? I I had to watch it dubbed. I don't think that's as big of a crime with an animated movie just because like we were talking about, like you can't really tell in a way. Cause the dub of this is fantastic. I mean, as far as dubs go, we had Claire Danes, we had Billy Bob Thornton, we had Billy Crudup, uh, and I'm trying to think somebody else. Uh, I think Jada Pinkett Smith was in there. Yeah. But yeah, it was a really cool movie, dude. I, I was really into it and I don't have too much more to say. It was just not a crap fest. It was not a dork fest. So I appreciate you picking something that was pretty accessible. Yeah, dude. Did you like the look of that like forest spirit creature? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude. I, I did. love that. Yeah, I did. I really like the look of the forest, cre- the forest spirit creature. I love the look of the little tree spirits. That, oh, like, me too. Those are necks. totally Zelda-ish, I feel like. Very Zelda-ish, very Hollow Knight-ish. Yeah, you know? yep, exactly. exactly. Um, and dude, oh man, I love, there was a sequence like towards the end when, spoiler, minor, minor spoiler, when the main like hundred year old boar, remember, gets like infected with the yep, curse. Yep. And there's a scene of him and the girl, I think her name is Shin or Shin, I can't remember. But yeah, yeah. When they're like know. trying to escape and this cursed boar just has blood like pouring out of his nose and his oh, mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I it's remember. like man this is nasty gnarly i loved it yep definitely uh case before we move on do you have anything to say about princess mononoke uh not really i mean i'm gl- I'm glad that you liked it again like i haven't seen this in a while so i would need to go back and watch it again to be totally refreshed on everything but i just agree i mean i think the animation is beautiful i think that the story is like well told well executed i agree with you i don't I mean, it's not one of my favorite movies ever made, but I can totally see why it is a classic. And I think it's like a good representation of what Studio Ghibli can do and kind of like what they've done to set the baseline of animation. You know, just because if you really think about it coming out in 1997, kind of alongside all those old classic Disney movies, like you can see how it's there. You know, like I can see how it's... uh, so foundational to what animation is now in a lot of ways. 
Totally. Dude, even something like Raya was influenced by this. Just yeah. like with the plague and the it, it was really cool, man. So I was into it. I would recommend if you're an animation fan, like diving into uh to this movie and just seeing what you think. But uh again, that's on HBO Max. That is Princess Mononoke. Heck yeah. Case, and that's all we've been watching. Anything else or am I missing anything? I don't think so. I haven't really been watching anything else. Perfect. A lot of uh, trailers. <laughs> a lot of trailers we're going to talk about soon. I can't wait. But before we do that, let's dive in to the top three topics of the show. And Kaysen, once again, our top three topics of the show are all the same topic. Yeah, I like how we keep calling it that, even though I think we only did that one time. Hey, you know what, man? Hey, it's our show, Kaysen. We're going yeah. to call it what we want to call it. No, I like it. I'm into I it. I might change it to top four topics of the show. <laughs> we need more topics. Kaysen, as we alluded to at the beginning of the episode, it's time to drop another top 10 list. That is the top 10 television comedies of all time. Uh, I'm so ready, Keenan. This is going to be an amazing list. Anytime we do top 10 lists, I'm nervous. We're putting our reputation on the line. And I feel like this one tonight, I know for certain I'm going to get some heat. Oh, I mean, for sure. We both are. It's impossible. There's way too many of these shows. My list was hilariously long. As we say every time we do one of these lists, number one, this is our personal list of things we enjoy. We are not claiming this is like unequivocally the best. You know what I mean? This yes. is These are shows that mean the most to us. And I want to specify another thing with this list, specifically comedy. I am not saying, and I think you would agree with this, I don't think we're saying these are the funniest shows right? ever, okay? These are just our favorite comedies. So for whatever reason, which we'll get into when we drop the list, but uh, in case you're saying like, hey, that show's not funny, well, it's, you know, it's all, it's all subjective, dude. Yeah, I totally agree. Here's mm-hmm. the rules. No animation, so we're not going to get any Family Guy, any Simpsons, any Rick and Morty. I feel like that's its own separate list. Uh You know, when we do, one day we'll do like a top 10 animated shows of all time. Yep. And the second rule, no sketch comedy. So we're not doing any SNL, any Key and Peele, Chappelle show, Nathan for you. No Conan. like that. No (laughs) Cone Bone. Uh, These are straight scripted comedies. And uh, it is what it is. I think it's going to be funny because I'm much more of the era of like sitcoms and like kind of cornball stuff that I grew up on that like some people might be like, are you smoking crystal meth? (laughs) And you're much more of the modern era where I think your choices are going to be a little bit more like relevant to today's today's, uh, sense of humor. Yeah, I think that's probably true, but we'll see how it goes. We're going to find out, Kaysen, nothing left to do it but to do it. Uh, (laughs) This is how legends are made. Let's do it. Do you have any honorable mentions that you want to drop? I only have one, strangely enough. Uh, Do you have any honorable mentions or anything you want to say before we get in? Yeah, Keenan, I actually have a lot of things I need to just quickly rattle off because I feel bad giving them no love at all. So here are a few shows that are not going to be on my list and the reason is primarily just because I have not seen enough of them. <laughs> but I, I want to address them because I know people are going to be mad if I don't mention them. Uh, I might love them, but I haven't seen enough. Those shows are going to be Shit's Creek. Haven't seen enough yet. Atlanta, the Donald Glover show. Really want to watch it. Haven't seen enough. Scrubs, 
I know people are crazy about that show. Sadly, haven't seen enough. And then also, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I know people love that. Haven't seen enough. Now, second, I want to just throw out some shows that I have seen. I know people love them and I just cannot get into them. But I want to address the fact that, yes, I have seen these shows. I know they exist. They're just not my favorite. And those shows are going to be 30 Rock, Modern Family, and Friends. Just can't get into them. I don't know what to say. I know they're iconic. People love them. Can't do it. And then finally, here are my actual honorable mentions that didn't quite make the list, but I do love these shows. That's going to be Wet Hot American Summer on Netflix, Silicon Valley on HBO, Community, the Dan Harmon classic, who now makes Rick and Morty, and Angie Tribeca, (laughs) an underknown gem that makes me laugh out loud every time I watch it. I love it. There you go. That's my honorable mentions. Kason, very well said. Very like, you, you know, you pretty much put a lot of thought into a little bit of time, <laughs> right? I could learn from you. Uh, this was tough. This was a tough one. Kason, uh, I'm glad you mentioned those shows that you wanted to give some love to, but you haven't seen enough of. I totally agree with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That is a blind spot for me. I know we would both be all over that show if uh-huh. we watched it. It's just, man, there's so many episodes at this point. It's just intimidating to get into. Yeah. So- don't hate us for that one. Kaysen, another blind spot of mine is Veep with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I know that is a classic I have not seen. Another blind spot of mine is Community, as you mentioned, uh-huh. which uh, I have not seen. And the last blind spot I want to shout out is Golden Girls oh. because <laughs> this is right up my alley. I've only seen episodes here and there of Golden Girls. So like enough to know it is the real deal. The writing is fantastic. I just have not seen enough to comfortably put it on some kind of top 10 list. Yeah, that makes sense. Jason, I I totally echo though your shows you've seen, but just aren't into friends, uh, 30 rock and modern family, all great shows. I like them just not on my list. And, uh, didn't really speak to me enough to be something I wanted to shout out. Yeah. Jason, my only honorable mention. Okay. This, this this is really going to put the listeners into the headspace of where I'm going with this list. So, uh, be scared. Okay. (laughs) My only honorable mention that couldn't quite crack the top 10. I got to do it, dude. I got to go to San Francisco. I got to go to that house that we all know in me, Danny, Joey, and Jesse, just me me and the boys, dude, hanging out. I want to give some love to full house. It's not on, it's not on my list, but I got to be honest, case. And I'm not saying this in a joking way. Clearly this show sucks. It's terrible, but (laughs) it is so ingrained in my mind. And like was so like easily without question, one of the biggest comedies of my life that I watched regularly when I was a kid Yeah, and watch reruns of, I know episodes, I can quote certain parts. So it's like, yeah, as an adult, I can look back and be like, uh, this is so cornball, but just in terms of my favorite comedies, like it, it has to be mentioned. Well, Keenan, that's funny because I actually gave some love to full house and it is my number 10 show. Oh my gosh. I love you, Case. I can't believe it. I've never respected you more than in this moment right now. (laughs) I'm all over that one, dude. I wanted to give some credit to at least one of the shows from that era. And Full House was definitely my go-to when I was a kid. I watched a ton of episodes of this. I totally agree. It's incredibly stupid. I don't know why I watched it, but I loved going in there with Uncle Jesse and Joey doing the cut it out thing with his hands, watching you know various episodes where Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen could be 
six months old or seven years old. Who knows what you're going to get? You got uh, it, dude. <laughs> it's iconic. I agree. It's just iconic. Uh, I, I still remember like specific things that happen in that show. Um, yeah. I, I think Flash. the thing with Full House, dude, it's just so comforting because it's so corny. Like it's so – yeah. It's so not based in reality, but it's almost like exists in a world where you wish that was reality. You yeah. wish things were as simple. And you can say that about a lot of sitcoms. I know they kind of share the same, especially of that era. They kind of share that same schmaltzy like vibe. But with Full House, it's like it's it's one of those things to me. There are moments that are genuinely funny, but it's also just so fun to just watch and kind of like laugh at. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, I love it. And it's like, man, Stamos is so good. Uncle Joey is just a dude you love to hate. Danny is such a pin dick. It's just like they, they nailed it. And then you bring in the side characters. We got Gibbler with the stank feet. We got <laughs> Steve who's trying to eat everything in the fridge. Yep. It's like, man, they really nailed these characters. We got all Michelle's friends, like that little, you know, psychopath kid with the bowl cut. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I loving that kid. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It's like so memorable. And I don't know why it's not because of the quality. I think it's just, you know, it's got to be on there. It's also so funny because all of the drama they had. In the, I mean, we could do, I say this every episode, but we really could spend seven hours talking about Full House and just how <laughs> stupid and ridiculous it is, but we're not going to. So I don't want to, I don't want to go further down that rabbit hole, but uh, we got to give some love to the boys. Heck yeah. That's my number 10. Kason, uh, will you now sing the Full House theme song for us? I will I will not. It's, it does have some Randy Newman vibes, I think, from Toy Story. Man, dude, you crushed it. Hey, thanks. I've been I've been listening to it to get back hey, in. The- and real quick, because we would be amiss to not mention this. Uh I think Fuller House on Netflix, while not nearly as good as the OG, because it couldn't be, there's no way. It did a pretty decent job of capturing the tone in the modern era. Yeah. Much better than I would have thought. Yeah, I only watched the first season. I thought it was fine. <laughs> yeah, better than I thought. I, I agree with you. Perfect. Kason, are you ready for my number 10 television comedy of all time? I'm ready. It's probably going to upset me. Kason, it's time to grab the books because the teacher gave a look just in time to see the bus fly by, dude, because we're going to Bayside. We're oh. cheering for the Tigers. <laughs> it's time to get saved by the bell. My wow. number 10 television comedy of all time. All right. We got Screech. We got Preppy. We got AC Slater, who famously invented AC Slater in the toilet, which means sitting backwards on the toilet. Don't <laughs> ask any questions because that's okay. how he used to sit in his chairs, right? In class. Gotcha. Uh, we got Jesse. We got Kelly. We got Lisa. Man, we got them all. Don't forget Belding, dude. I love Saved by the Bell. Similar to a full house. It's something I used to watch every single Saturday when I was a kid, I thought these guys were so cool. And honestly, at the time, I didn't think this show was cringy. I remember hmm. being like young enough. Maybe it was because I was an idiot or maybe it was because of my age, but I was like, man, these guys are legit cool. Like I want to be like Zach Morris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love the show again. It's just something light and breezy. You can sit back and like laugh at it slash laugh with it. Um, and it was kind of like a, 
I don't know. I think being the age I was, let's say I was in like, you know, elementary school, those guys being in high school, it was like, man, this is what like the older kids are doing. Like, you know, uh, (laughs) taking caffeine pills and going to prom and like breaking up with girlfriends. I want to do all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, I totally get that. This show is not, I mean, I haven't seen enough episodes at all to even comment on it, but I know it's a classic. I know a lot of people loved it, so... I will say too, there's moments in Full House that are so cringe, like so unbelievably cringe that I love it. It makes it even better. Like the entire episode where they sing like doo-wop music and like poodle skirts and stuff. Obviously we got uh, the Zack Attack band when they sing Friends Forever. Yes. Um, The episode clearly when Jesse's uh, tweaking out on caffeine pills and says, I'm so excited. I mean, we could go through the list case and there's so many, but it's just, what a show. Pretty iconic, huh? Number 10, take it to the bank, saved by the bell. Okay. Well, unsurprisingly, that is not on my list. Hey, but, and uh, not the new class. I'm talking OG, saved by the bell, and not Miss Bliss, whatever that BS was. We're talking saved by the bell, case. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what those things are, but I'll take your word for it. Hit me with number nine. What you got? Keenan, number nine, I know that you are uh, sleeping on this one for sure, but it is the real deal. I kid you not. Number nine is fittingly Brooklyn Nine-Nine. How about that? I am sleeping on it, and I feel bad I didn't mention it at the top. Kaysen, what's up with this show? K-Dog, this show is amazing. Uh, You got Andy Samberg going full Andy Samberg mode, but honestly, the best part of the show is similar to other shows I'm sure we'll mention, the incredible supporting cast of characters that all have their quirks and little iconic things that they do, little character development from episode to episode throughout the seasons. It is so good, dude. The ensemble cast is amazing, firing on all cylinders. They have recurring characters that come in and out that are hilarious hilarious and dude the writing of this show is so good every season they have this halloween episode that totally maxes out the complexity and backstabbing and ridiculous mystery elements of the show and every year they just go bigger and bigger and bigger to where that episode has now become this kind of like event episode i just feel like this show is is one of those shows that should be in the conversation with all of the other classic ensemble TV shows, um, half-hour comedies anyway. And I am not totally caught up. I have not watched the final season or the most recent season, but I really love this show. I think the characters are just awesome. And I think that Andy Samberg really carries the whole thing well. I love it. I know, again, I like so many other comedies. I know this is a show I would be so into. I love Sandberg so much. And the clips I've seen of this show are hilarious. Like the the when they have the lineup and they're singing Backstreet Boys. Yes, yes. It, it is genuinely laugh out loud funny. Like I think, I think it's really, really good. And it just has those characters. I mean, I don't want to mention any other shows that we'll get to later, but it's good, man. They use the side characters that only have one line per episode really well. <laughs> I love it. Kaysen, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a fitting number nine. Heck yeah. What you got for me? Here we go. Kaysen, my number nine television comedy of all time. We are getting together Vince and the boys. That includes drama and Turtle and E. We're going straight (laughs) to Entourage, Kaysen. Wow. You're way over my head. Here's the thing, dude. With the show Entourage, I understand it has maybe not aged quite as well. A lot of people look at this show like they look at like wearing an Ed Hardy t-shirt. It's kind of like... (laughs) 
eh, there's some douchebags on the show. And, you know, but here's the thing. In the moment, I was so, so into the show. I know our sister Ashley was loving this too. This is such a fun show to binge, which is how I watched it. I think I watched like the first four seasons uh, just like front to back so fast. Um, great, great chemistry with the four leads. Um, it follows like Vince, who is this super successful actor and then his friends that pretty much just leech off of him, you know? Yeah. And one of the things in addition to the comedy that's so good is just the Hollywood setting. This is kind of an inside look similar to a show. I'm going to talk about a little bit later at kind of the inner workings of Hollywood, the ups and the downs, the douchebags that exist out there and just seeing some of these scenarios um, and how you think people should act in certain situations, whether it's like, Hey, we're going to a movie premiere, we're going to meet this big director or whatever. And then seeing all the f- comedy that comes from those moments going wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, dude. And we got to mention one of the most iconic comedy characters that I can think of, honestly, Jeremy Piven as Ari Gold. This is a character that everything this guy says is hilarious. He was born to play this character. Um, just perfect, fantastic. And it's like, man, talk about a character that at first you think is just such a materialistic egomaniac and they slowly start chipping away to show that he has a heart. Um, really cool character. And I love his progression throughout the show. This show kind of ended weak, which is why it's down to my number nine. Yeah. But, uh, when it was firing, man, it was so good. And, and lots of great cameos, tons of actors, directors, really good stuff there. So entourage is my number nine television comedy of all time. Nice. Once again, before my time, but I know that a lot of people like it. So (laughs) I respect that choice. Um, Keenan, my number eight, I know you're going to like this one. I'm sure it's on your list somewhere up there. Uh, my number eight is a little HBO show from the creator of Seinfeld called Curb Your Enthusiasm starring Larry David. This show is so, so funny. This is one of those shows that's on my list purely because of how funny it is. It is great just watching this guy get into these ridiculous situations and just behaving in the most typical like stubborn old man way you can possibly imagine it's great dude it's it's very very well written definitely hit or miss episodes but the episodes that hit i think deliver some of the best laughs of anything so that's my number case and we'll talk about curb your enthusiasm a little bit later but i would say it's not really larry being a stubborn old man it's more him just being like a complete like narcissist, you know, where like he's only ever thinking about himself. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) All right. Neurotic, neurotic, I would say. We can talk about it more later, I guess. Kaysen, that's your number eight. Uh, We'll see where that lands on my list. Kaysen, my number eight show, we are going right back to HBO. They're putting out bangers. My number eight television comedy of all time is the Danny McBride vehicle, Eastbound and Down. Wow. Are you familiar with the show? I mean, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Case, and that's a travesty. This show, purely based on laughs, purely based on me laughing out loud watching something, this is probably number one. This show is so 
funny. Wow. I mean, I still watch YouTube clips to this day and just laugh. I, I've shown this clip that involves Danny McBride and Will Ferrell. I've shown this to so many people every time they laugh. It's just one of those like firing on all cylinders. The thing, this obviously stars Danny McBride as a uh, Kenny powers, the washed up baseball player who is just a horrible human being. And that's almost one of the detract, like one of the things I kind of brought the show down a little bit. He is such a hard character to root for. Even when they try to make him likable, even when they try to give him a little bit of a heart, the show just has a very kind of like mean spirited vibe to it. And a lot of times that's comedy gold. That's why it's so funny. But I feel like sometimes it's a little too much where it's kind of smothering with its like, I don't want to say negativity, but just kind of with its like, uh, you know, down, like, I guess you'd say uh, bad vibes. I don't yeah. Know. Cynicism. Cynicism. Thank you, Kaysen. You always come through with the words. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And the thing is the, the, the comedy is a lot. It feels like a lot of it's improv, which is what's so funny. So many memorable lines coming out of Kenny's mouth, but sometimes my, another criticism, it feels like it's maybe trying a little too hard. You know, when you get shows that are like largely improv or, or movies or whatever the case might be, it's like, sometimes it feels like they're fishing a little too hard for the laughs where it's like, Hey, just say something outlandish and like vulgar and offensive. And it'll be like funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. But when it hits, it hits hard. And that's why it's my number eight television comedy of all time. Nice. Okay. Well, you're 0 for 3 on me having seen your picks, but uh, I'll go on to my number seven. This one is really, I feel like this one's really out there. I don't think a lot of people will have seen this. Uh, But my number seven pick is going to be the show Fleabag. Um, This is on Amazon, right? I'm not messing that up. It is on Amazon Prime. I have seen it and I love it. It's on Amazon Prime. I think this is one of the best limited series, I guess I would say. It only has two seasons that I've ever seen. I think genuinely the character development is unbelievable. I think the way that um, they use the comedy to really like explore mental health and like the effect of trauma on people is is incredible i had a hard time deciding whether or not to include it in the comedy category just because it is very dark and it definitely explores a lot of dramatic things regarding uh the main character but man this show is so good i would say it's not only good because it is funny but it's also really really good just because of the depth of the things that they explore through the character development and the writing of the show, which is phenomenal. Kind of like a BoJack Horseman type vibe, I would say, which obviously I couldn't include because that's animated, but uh, it goes to some dark places and I love it. Yeah, you're exactly right. This show is awesome. And I, I still would classify this as a comedy, but you're right. Lots of dramatic elements too. The the thing that they do so well with the character of Fleabag played by Phoebe Waller Bridges, right? Uh-huh. It's her name, right? I yes. wanted to make sure I didn't yeah. butcher that. They make her in the the first season, the first couple episodes, she's almost so cartoonishly over the top in her her persona, her vibe, like just her attitude that you it takes a little bit to kind of get your bearings as far as how you're going to feel about the show because she's so like abrasive and and just like I don't want to say unlikable Obnoxious. but just uh, obnoxious exactly and then man once they bring her down to earth and you see these real moments it hits harder because you you weren't expecting it you're like wow this cartoonish character is a real person just masking all of this pain with kind of the big over the top 
you know, BS. Exactly. Yeah, which I think is like very relatable to a lot of people, you know, like it's a very, it's a very common like way of dealing with things, I think. And so I think she plays it incredibly well. Her performance is amazing. Absolutely. That is Fleabag. That's on Amazon Prime. And that's your number seven uh, television comedy of all time. That's right. Case in my number seven, call Mr. Feeney because class is in session. We are going with Boy Meets World. Oh, gosh. Okay. I, <laughs> hey, You're I warned it, you, Kaysen. I warned you. You did. You did. Man, oh man, Kaysen, call Corey, call Topanga. We got Feeney, we got Eric, we got Sean with the good hair. Man, this show was awesome. Kaysen, this is a great coming of age show. Again, the age that I was when this came out, watching this, there are so many valuable life lessons in Boy Meets World. It always feels very charming and innocent, but when they tackle like real world things, for some reason, it never felt as cornball as something like a full house. I feel like it just felt more real and, you know, it's still sitcom-y in its, in its nature, but it felt like you could actually take away some messages from this, whether it's through the dialogue, definitely a better written show than something like a Full House or like a Family Matters or Step by Step or, what you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, really great core friendship between Corey, Sean, and Topanga. Those three characters, you believed it. They felt age appropriate. And it was just cool. Like you had... Corey, who was kind of this kid on the right side of the tracks, friends with Sean, who was kind of the, you know, good hearted kid, but always like didn't grow up right, you know? Yeah. And there was so much good drama that came from that and and just a lot of tests of their friendship throughout the years. And again, seeing them age the way they did, going from being, I don't know, sixth graders to, you know, college students to getting married and all that. It was just awesome to see their journey. You kind of grew up with them, you know? Yeah, Totally. Um, and Feeney was always there as their principal, as their teacher, as their, uh, creepy guy next door. I'm, jo- <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm joking. Uh, but he would always hand out some like words of wisdom that always made you kind of be like, man, I wish I had a principal like that. Interesting. Well, <laughs> that sounds pretty good. I'd never seen that one either, but, uh, I, I have heard a lot about it. So. That's it case. And that's what it is. Boy meets world. My number seven, I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, it is what it is. Case and let's move on to your number six. What you got? Uh, my number six, Keenan, is a show that ended fairly recently on NBC. I chose this show because, first of all, I think it's really funny. Second of all, I think it has one of the best first season finales of any show that I've seen. Whoa. And third, I think it really stuck the landing. Uh in a plot that could have totally gone off the rails and been terrible. But I was actually very satisfied with the way all these things ended up. And that show is The Good Place, starring Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. Um, Yeah, this show is really, really unique, really special. I think that the plot of the show is more bold and off the wall than most other comedies I've seen. And I think that it actually uses it to touch on some really interesting themes too. And I think, I mean, there's kind of a, 
a recurring theme with some of the shows that I'm picking, I guess, of them like using the comedy to really kind of look into other things. And I think the show does a really good job of that. I think it brings up a lot of interesting questions. Uh, and the characters are just really likable. Ted Danson and Kristen Bell do an amazing job and they have a lot of really good recurring jokes kind of throughout the, the throughout the show. But ultimately the series finale, I was very satisfied with. I thought it gave a great ending to a very complicated plot. So good for them. Kason, I knew you were going to pick this. I really like this show too. I've only seen the first two seasons and, uh, and I think there's only three, right? I think there's four. Uh, actually, maybe there's only three. I think you're right. I think you're right. But I, I agree. This show's fantastic, and I can't fault you for putting it on the list. Great writing, great characters all around. And uh, it was always like, just walk the line between being a little too clever, where it was like almost like you could tell they thought they were smart, but it never quite went that far where I didn't like it. You know? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. The Good Place. Good choice, Kason. Thank you. Kason, my number six television comedy of all time. Oh my gosh, Kason. I'm not even going to try to do this noise, but uh, so don't worry about it, but break <laughs> out the Benford tools because Tim, the oh. tool man Taylor is coming through. My number six television comedy of all time is home improvement. Wow. Okay. I was going to try to do the grunting slash moaning noise that Tim Allen yeah, does, please, but please I, don't. <laughs> we would lose all six of our listeners. That's right. Uh, Man, I love this show. I, I Again, it's like some of these things I'm going to repeat myself, but this was such... Number one, Tim Allen was in his prime in the 90s. This guy, to me, was legitimately funny. He felt very... It kind of had Roseanne vibes where it felt like a very real family in Michigan. It didn't feel like some staged fake like the Tanners, you know, in Full House. Yeah. It felt like this was a real family with real problems and... I just like the vibe of the family, I guess. I like the three boys. Obviously, we get some Jonathan Taylor Thomas, uh, Zachary Ty Bryan back and forths, um, and great supporting characters. Again, we get Wilson next door, never saw his face. We get uh, Al, you know, Tim's sidekick on Home Improvement, the show. Just really, really great supporting cast. But really, this all comes down to Tim Allen. He was so funny on this show, whether it was like, being the dolt husband who always kind of found his way in the end to uh in his wife's good graces whether it was dishing out advice to his kids it was like he was just a funny dad that felt real felt like he made so many mistakes himself and he wasn't he was this like flawed guy but he would always try to put on like the dad face or the husband face like i got this you know yeah totally um this one's interesting because I did, I mean, I've watched some episodes of it when I was younger and obviously I was pretty young, so I don't really know if I had the best perspective, but I, I was not really that into it, <laughs> honestly, from the few episodes I've seen. I mean, it just seemed like kind of one of those shows, you know, but I, maybe it's, I mean, do you think this is actually like high quality or is it more just like kind of a place in time type thing? Probably a mix. I mean, definitely okay. a lot of the picks on my list, as you're seeing, are nostalgia-based, and I totally understand that. But I think Home Improvement, when you compare it to other shows of that era, it is above them. You know, like yeah, it yeah. is something that was special at the time. It wasn't like at the time it was kind of a mediocre comedy. Sure. It was pretty elite. Sure. Makes sense. Anyway, Kason, again, no apologies. That's my number six. Uh, let's dive into your number five. What you got? Yeah, Keenan, my number five, you already mentioned it, but I do think it is a classic. One of the more recent classics, especially amongst the Emmy uh, voters. 
Uh, I think that this, you know, main character won the Emmy for best actress in a comedy like seven years in a row or something. This show is called Veep and it's on HBO and it's starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus in, I mean, probably the best role of her career, I would think, is Vice President Selena Myers. Um, yeah, this show is so, so funny, dude. It definitely took me a few episodes to get into the vibe of it just because it's not like a lot of other comedies. I think it's very, uh, very plot heavy and very just kind of like rapid dialogue as opposed to setting up kind of awkward situations. But man, when the jokes deliver, I just think they deliver. And I think every episode is incredibly entertaining to watch. Uh, and this show has another great cast of characters that all kind of are doing their own thing. And they get a lot of mileage out of poking fun at the political system in America uh, in just a very satirical way that I loved. I think Julia Louis-Dreyfus is 10 out of 10 in this show. She is firing on all cylinders, as she normally does. But, I mean, man, she is a, she's a true gem, Keenan, in the world of acting. Oh, she's amazing. I mean, this is a show that there's no question. I would love this, just like It's Always Sunny and some other options here. But I just, I have not dove in yet. And I need to, because it's not, I don't think it's that intimidating. It's not like there's a hundred episodes or something. No, it's only 10 episodes a season. So it's pretty accessible. I got to get into this. I've heard nothing but great things. I know I'd be into the vibe. Heck yeah. That's my number. Kason. My number five show, my number five television comedy of all time. This might surprise you. Don't hate me is going to be Parks and Rec. Ooh, okay. Okay, I'll get over it. I mean, it. what more can you <laughs> say about this? This show piggybacked off of The Office hard into the fact where I think it was originally supposed to take place in the same universe as The Office. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but it did not. But uh, we've talked about this before on the show. I mean, you can't say enough about the cast. They made this show what it was. So many funny characters, different vibes, different personalities. This got a lot of people. I mean, I don't want to say this was Amy Poehler's start because she was doing stuff on SNL. But you look at like Aubrey Plaza. You look at Chris Pratt. You look at uh, Aziz. I feel like this wasn't really Aziz's start, but it definitely blew him up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And uh, yeah, I just think this was such a launch pad for a lot of great comedic actors and really just further cemented Amy Poehler as a force in comedy. Uh, but yeah, again, one of the charms of this show, other than just the hilarious writing, is the setting. The fact this does take place in like small town USA. It felt very relatable. I know for us, just being where we're from in the Midwest... Uh, a lot of the humor, a lot of the jokes came from that location and that setting. And again, poking fun at government on a small scale, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and just so much comedy coming from the idea that we are in the small town of Pawnee, Indiana, but like the, the problems they're dealing with are so small scale and dumb, but you see how serious, whether it's like how serious Amy Poehler's taking it, how serious the townspeople like take something. It was just very funny. And for a number of different reasons, I think. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this more in a little bit. Don't worry. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and again, last thing I want to say, the characters, I mean, every single character on this show just had so many moments, catchphrases, memorable episodes and stuff. Uh, it was great. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on, on yours. For sure. Um, all right. So I'm to my number four now, right? Hit me with the numero quattro. So I will say, I really think that these top four exist in a different league to me than the rest of them. Whoa. These are like, these are like a S tier of comedies to me anyway. 
Um, so, <laughs> so number four, King of Queens. Yeah. <laughs> so number four, Keenan, I can never really remember where exactly you stand on this show. I don't know how much of it you're familiar with, but my number four, I really think is one of the greatest comedies of all time and like genuinely has been foundational in the influence of many other comedies on TV. It's Arrested Development starring Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, Jessica Walter, David Cross, Tony Hale. Oh my gosh, Keenan! this show is legitimately iconic. There are so many moments in the show, so many lines in the show that are so quotable, so memorable. Every time I go back and watch it, I laugh again. There is like... I, I cannot heap enough praise onto this show for just creating some of the funniest characters in funniest situations of all time. I think that it's an all-time classic. The only thing that brings it down for me is unfortunately the way that everything wrapped up and then Netflix kind of creating like an additional ending season. That stuff was not good, sadly. But the first three seasons of this show are just 10 out of 10 amazing I could not recommend it enough if you have not seen Arrested Development. Kaysen, great pick. I know a lot of people love this show. I have only watched season one of this show. And here's the thing. I like this show a lot. And it's something that I completely understand its influence, its cleverness, its writing, and why so many people love it. To me, it was something, while there were laugh out loud moments, I always watched it more in a way where Maybe this is crazy to you, but I would more just watch it in a way of like, ha, huh, like that's pretty clever. <laughs> or like oh, that's wow. Okay. That's pretty funny. Because some of the comedy to me, it was almost this mix, and I know that's a it's a good thing to some people. It was almost a mix of like really dumb humor, like with David Cross's character and like Will Arnett's character, combined with like very dry kind of sarcastic, like Bateman type humor, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I think what makes this show stand out so much compared to some of the other shows on here is that to me, a lot of the humor is in the cleverness of the writing. Like it's not all just about a character acting stupid or like doing something ridiculous and dumb. It's like these scenarios that they set up and then like pay off. You know what I mean? It's almost like episode to episode. You're actually getting comedy out of like, progressive scenarios that they like put into your mind and then pay off. And I I just feel like not that many other shows do that so well. And I just really appreciate like a lot of the comedy is in wordplay. A lot of the comedy is in like puns and like, you know, things like that. It's just, it's just very unique to me. And it's like, dude, Jason Bateman trying to keep the family together as the one straight man surrounded by morons, especially his play with uh, Will Arnett as his brother. Yes. is just so, so funny. funny because his brother, I mean, um, Will Arnett, just imagining him let loose, like and just uncaged as a lunatic goofball. Yeah, dude, and magician. Bateman just constantly looking at him like, you're ruining my life. It's just so funny. Yep. Totally. And this was, I feel like this was Michael Sarah's kind of big debut. For oh, sure. for sure. He was perfect in this. Yeah. Yep. In love with his cousin, dude. Oh, maybe, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's just so many, like, I love talking to people about the show who love the show because you can just immediately start riffing off like all of the classic scenarios and stuff. You know, there's always uh, money in the banana stand, all this kind of stuff. Great choice, Case in Arrested Development. Thank you. Case my number four television comedy of all time is something we already talked about. That is 
the Larry David led vehicle curb your enthusiasm on HBO. Okay. I love this show so much. I mean, this show piggybacked off of Seinfeld, Larry David, also the uh, co-creator and writer on Seinfeld. This show is pretty much the best Seinfeld in the modern era that we have. It is essentially, you know, the character of George Costanza from Seinfeld was based off of Larry David. And that kind of is his persona in this show. It is just a neurotic, narcissistic guy in Hollywood playing himself, playing Larry David, walking around Hollywood and similar to what I said with Entourage, getting into all of these moments, peek behind the curtain, whether it's like production on a movie, people wanting your autograph, going to a premiere, all these really fun things that you're kind of like, oh, this is an interesting scenario. And how is Larry going to brutally embarrass himself? And this show, more than almost any other show, has so many foot and mouth moments where you're literally watching with like your hands over your face because he makes it so awkward. It is like painful to watch in the best possible way. Yeah, totally. Totally. Really, really funny show. He is just a funny guy. And it's like, again, not to repeat myself, but him being so unfiltered and just saying whatever comes to mind when he's in these situations where he shouldn't is great to me. It's like comedy gold, man. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that's a great pick. And this is a great, this is like a really breezy show to get through every episode. You can just fly through it and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's just easy watch. So if you haven't seen Curb Your Enthusiasm, oh, get on the wavelength, get on the Larry David train. I 100% agree. And speaking of Larry David, Keenan, my number three show is the throwback Seinfeld, also wow. from Larry David. I don't really think there's that much to even say about this show. It's just a classic. It's kind of like the OG sitcom, I would say. Uh, and it's the show about nothing. And somehow they pulled it off so well. Amazing cast, memorable characters, laugh out loud moments, similar brand of comedy to Curb Your Enthusiasm, where they just take some stupid concept that somebody might come across in daily life and just like riff on it and riff on it over and over until it blows up into this big thing. Uh, It was great. Really, really smart. Really, really good performances. Uh, I don't really know what else to say. (laughs) Kaysen, fantastic pick. We might talk about Seinfeld a little bit later. Okay. Uh, But- I got to say, it's hilarious you being 25 years old and referring to Seinfeld as an OG sitcom, considering (laughs) (laughs) there were sitcoms decades earlier, uh, you know, that have existed. I mean, that's true. That's true. But it's definitely one of my OG sitcoms, at least in terms of what sitcoms look like more in the modern era, you know? Absolutely. I have a lot more to say about that pretty soon. Kaysen, my number three television comedy of all time. Dude. Have you ever been to West Philadelphia? Because I have. I was born and raised. I was just shooting some b-ball and I was outside the school, dude. I'm not going to go through the whole song, but you know what I'm getting at. I know My what number you're getting 3 at. comedy of all time is The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It's Big Willie time, dude. He delivered. This was a star vehicle for Will Smith. I love this show so much. To me, in terms of pure laughs, just laughing at a sitcom, this is it. This wins. And I'm talking (laughs) strictly about the sitcom format. Um, 
So good, dude. So, so good. Will Smith is so charismatic and naturally funny. I feel like he's in his peak here as far as comedy goes. And the so the family, the supporting cast, Alfonso Ribeiro, Ribeiro is so funny as Carlton. It's like, man... He is, he could have had his own show. You add Uncle Phil into the mix, who was this very like straight laced, uptight judge, you know, and the dad of this family. The dynamic between him and Will, oh my gosh, it was just comedy gold, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got Jazzy Jeff. We got so many funny side characters. And this show worked too because when they wanted to, when they wanted to, they could really crank up the drama. We cannot forget the classic Will's dad leaves for the 90th time. Will monologues, goes crazy, and hugs Uncle Phil and says, why doesn't he want me, Uncle Phil? <laughs> I mean, this is the stuff of legend, dude. This is when people knew Will Smith was the real deal. Um, it brings tears to my eyes every time I watch the clip, but I'm also laughing with tears on the other clips. So Fresh yep. Prince, what more can you say, dude? Dude, that's great. I mean, this show definitely, I loved the episodes that I've seen. And I, I think if I had watched like the whole thing, I, I would put it on my list for sure. But again, this is kind of out of my wheelhouse, but I really like that pick. Yeah, I mean, because you know how most sitcoms, like even Full House and like Family Matters and stuff, you watch these scenarios and it's more just kind of like easy watches. Like, oh, that's kind of funny. Huh? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you know, totally. Jess, Uncle Jesse like made Becky mad. Ha ha. Yeah. Fresh Prince is a show where because of the talent on display, especially with Will and Carlton, it is legitimately like you're laughing out loud at it. Like, right. man, these guys are funny. Right. Definitely. So anyway. Fresh Prince, you get the number three spot. Kaysen, we're in the top two now. This is the real deal. What do you have for number two? Drop it on me. We're in the top two now, man. Uh, this this show is just a special thing. And you already mentioned it, so I won't go too much into it. But Parks and Rec, Keenan, is just a must-watch. Like, if you have not seen this show, you are missing out on truly one of the best ensemble casts in the history of TV. And that's not even an exaggeration. I mean, this is ridiculous. You already you already praised the cast, but I cannot hype them up enough. It's so good. It's so good both from a comedic standpoint and from a character development standpoint. When I think about where these characters end up in the finale of the show, it like makes me emotional just thinking about it, dude, because from where they start in the beginning to where they end is such an awesome journey for so many like stupid and hilarious characters i i like to compare this show to what my number one show is going to end up being but i think that what this show really nailed is the characters and making them actual fleshed out people that are not just caricatures even though that's kind of what they start off as also i want to give a shout out to the town of pawnee as a setting and almost as its own character i think that they did such an amazing job of just putting you in the headspace of this hilarious small indiana town with a bunch of goofy recurring nobody characters that everybody knows because every time they would come in it would be a total hit for a laugh and uh, i can't think of another show that's had so many side characters that aren't in every episode that are so memorable so i love it i love the show casing can we give a shout out to john raffio as a side of course dude john raffio mona lisa purred happily what's up oh man oh man joan uh joan calamezzo i mean forget about it casing we also i I was an idiot jeremy jam or not what's his name not jeremy jam is that his name 
It, it is jam. Yeah, it is, you yeah. just got jammed, dude. You just got jammed. Man, you're right. And you know what character I'm such an idiot and I didn't mention when I was talking about Parks and Rec was Ron Swanson, dude. Of course. Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman, man. Come on. Tammy. Tammy one, Tammy two. <laughs> so good. So much comedy gold from this show. I think that it may be... It's weird because this show was definitely more syrupy than The Office, and I feel like that was, for the most part, to its advantage, but sometimes it maybe leaned a little too heavy into that, like a little too schmaltzy at times, at times. It felt a little too, like, cute. But uh, I know that was also just kind of by design, and that's one of the appeals of the show. But, uh, yeah, I I think that's a great number two, Casey. Gotta do it. What do you have, Keenan? You gots to do it. Case in my number two show, my number two television comedy of all time is something that we're going to talk about for your number one. That is The <laughs> Office. Let's yes. dive in and talk about it. It's my um, number one. You're right. Sorry to spoil it if you wanted to. No, that, that's okay. I, it's pretty obvious. I think we all knew where that was going. Case in what makes The Office such a special show? It's your number one. I'll let you kind of wax poetic about it for a little bit, but uh, this is the greatest comedy of all time. What's going on with it, Kazen? Yeah, man. I, I think that it just it just really nailed like how to balance being hilarious with uh, with having a great cast of characters. And I think the one advantage that I'll give it over Parks and Rec is that I think it is funnier. And the reason for that is because of Steve Carell. Steve Carell carries this show. Obviously, the entire cast of characters is fantastic, but without Steve Carell, the show falls apart. We've seen that (laughs) in basically what happens with the show after he leaves. So when I think about this show, I do not think about the later seasons. I don't think about the ending. I just think think about the glory years of Michael Scott running this paper company. He is the main character. He is the one who everyone else revolves around, and everything he says is hilarious. Um, And then I got to just give the show bonus points for being so quotable, so memorable. It has a total like rabid fan following of people who can just quote every episode. And I love that. Like that's just makes it really fun to be a part of. So what it's the best. (laughs) That's That's all I I can say. I think as we've said before, Parks and Rec is probably a more consistent show front to back, yeah. but The Office during its peak was by, was the funniest thing of all time. I mean, it yeah. was the funniest show, the best show, the best writing, everything. I would say from seasons two, three, and four, would you agree, are just like yep. peak, peak comedy, dude. Yep, 100%. Um, and you're right. I mean, this show, while it did have a great supporting cast, obviously so many memorable characters from Creed to Stanley to Kevin to uh, Pam and Jim from yeah. Dwight, obviously. But this show rested on the back of Steve Carell as Michael Scott. Again, someone that Steve Carell was born to play. This is a character that we even saw when they tried to replace him. It's like, you just can't do it, man. He was born to be Michael Scott. So, so funny. He sold so much of this comedy, whether it was through improv, through the writing, like he himself was so funny that he elevated every single scene he was in. Yeah, he did. Like even, I mean, the writing was fantastic, but it's like, even when the writing wasn't, he made everything hilarious just based on his mannerisms, his looks. It was great, dude. Comedy gold. Yep. 100%. It is a classic. I think Michael Scott is probably the funniest television character of all time. Oh yeah, I think so. De- I mean, definitely like me laughing at them the most. It's got to be him. 
Kaysen, fantastic number one choice. I love it. That's my number two, so I'm right behind you. Um, And, you know, The Office is something at this point that is such a cultural phenomenon, even being off the air for as long as it has been. Do you think there's any chance we'll ever see a reunion? Any kind of show or, Mm. you know, little miniseries or something? Good question. I I do think there is too. I agree. I'm not sure. To me though, if like I've, I've said this before, if Steve Carell is not involved, do not do it. Yep. Agreed. Totally. You have to have him. When he left the show, it dipped in quality big time. And I just don't think I'd want to see it if he wasn't back. Same. Same. Case in my number one television comedy of all time is something you already alluded to. The OG comedy, the OG sitcom, as you put it. That is Seinfeld. Uh, I think this show has the greatest like four-person lead, or I guess I, w- I should say the greatest collection of leads that I've ever seen in a sitcom or a comedy. You have Jerry, George, Elaine, and Kramer, and they are all pitch perfect and beyond talented. When you're seeing what they're doing with these characters, I mean, Kramer, dude, he's an icon. Like everybody knows Cosmo Kramer, the way he bursts into Jerry's apartment, all the goofy hijinks he gets into. And then it's like you have a totally different character in Elaine. You know, yeah, and Ju- the genius of Julia Louis Dreyfus, and just all the stuff that she's doing, so like natural of an actor, like so believable as this character, so great because the genius, and you know, obviously George Costanza. What more can you say about him and right. Jerry? But <laughs> the genius of these characters is they're all incredibly bad people that do bad things, but somehow we still like them. Yeah, yep. It's almost like all four of these characters are the worst parts of us as far as the instincts we wish we could lean into in certain social settings and like relationships and stuff. And they just do it, you know? And it's so funny. And it's like, they have that support group. They all kind of come together in Jerry's apartment every week and just talk about like how bad of people they are, but they're all messed up. So it makes them all feel better. Like uh, this week I didn't mess up as bad as George, you know? Yeah. That's actually really well said. I like that. breakdown and i think too even though it is a show about nothing it's like this would you know most sitcoms and stuff are dealing with family issues relationship like you know husband wife stuff and seinfeld really was the first show that just kind of thought up hilarious real life topics that real people go through and just riffed off of it and was like hey you know that like bizarre moment when like this might happen on a date. You might see someone with bad, or like you might see someone that has man hands. I don't even know if you can say that in 2021, but, (laughs) uh, or, you know, all the different scenarios they would get into, whether it's relationships, work, whatever. So funny, man. Just seeing how something so little spirals out of control. Yeah. Uh, totally. Returning shirts to department stores. Exactly. exactly. Dude, it's like all these situations similar with Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's like the equivalent of having like a little mosquito bite or like poison ivy, right? That's like small and insignificant. And then you scratch at it and you keep scratching, scratching, scratching. And it just gets bigger and bigger until it blows up into something that's completely unnecessary. Yes, totally. And that's how Seinfeld and Curb is where it's like, hey, if you just left it alone, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But like, you got to pick at it, man. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Totally. That's it. My That's number awesome. one television comedy of all time, Seinfeld. Case and quickly run down your top ten. What did you uh what did you drop on us tonight? Uh let's see. Oh, can you go first? <laughs> yes. I will go first, Kaysen. My number ten, Save by the Bell. Number nine, Entourage. Number eight, Eastbound and Down. Number seven, Boy Meets World. 
Number six, home improvement. Number five, parks and rec. Number four, curb your enthusiasm. Number three, fresh prince of Bel Air. Number two, uh, the office and my number one comedy of all time, Seinfeld. That is a good list, Keenan. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I just accidentally deleted the list that I had. <laughs> so now I'm trying to remember all the shows That's, that I Don't picked, worry, dude. I know I know. at 10 you had Full House I and at 1 you had The Office. So yeah, that's all we need to know. It was between. It was Full House to The Office. There were a lot of other great things in between there. So Yeah, I think you had Everybody Loves Raymond. You had Bazinga yeah, Big yeah. Bang Theory in there. You <laughs> had some good uh, stuff. Two and a half men. Anyway. <laughs> Kason, that's it. I think that's the definitive list. I think we can etch it in stone and we don't really need to debate this anymore for the rest of human history. I agree. Human time. I agree. I think it was good. Let's move on, Kason. We got more show to tackle. Kason, let's talk about movie trailers. We got some bangers this week. The first thing we're going to talk about is our boy Jared Leto emerging from the ashes like a phoenix (laughs) and coming back in the Ridley Scott directed House of Gucci. Mm. What did you think of this trailer? Were you into it? Man, I'm very conflicted about this. I think that uh the accents did not sound good. I think the the movie looks like it could be good, but I really have no idea. Really the only thing that excites me about it is the cast. Um we got Lady Gaga, we got Jared Leto, what more could I ask for? But Adam Driver. Well, yeah, I guess <laughs> that's what more I could ask for and we got it. Um I don't know. I'm just very like up in the air on this one. I am incredibly skeptical of Ridley Scott. He is super hit or miss. Um, I don't know. We'll see, man. We'll see. I I think it looks like it could be fun. You're right. The accents left a little bit to be desired. Um, They sound kind of cartoonish to me, but I I hope it's just kind of a big, goofy, like trashy movie, you know? Yeah, me too. Like a fun ensemble thing. I hope it leans into its goofiness and, and, and doesn't try to take itself too seriously. Like, I hope it's pretty melodramatic. Me too. Me too. next up. Oh, oh my please, gosh. no. <laughs> I know you are super excited about this one. Let's talk about Venom. Let there be carnage, dude. Man, all I've ever wanted is carnage. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, by the way, House of Gucci, I got the dates this time. I oh. did my job. Comes out November 24th. Nice, nice. Venom, Let There Be Carnage. This drops uh, September 24th. What were your thoughts on this movie? Woody Harrelson's there. He's having a good time. It looks like he's becoming a new Venom. Who could see that coming? What do you think? <laughs> Man, this looks absolutely terrible. I Whoa. I can't even I can't even believe it. Like the lines of dialogue in this trailer, if those are actually what they're using to represent the movie, I can't even imagine like the actual experience of watching the movie. <laughs> it's going to be horrible. I don't know what else to say. Kason, I've only seen um, a couple scenes from the first Venom movie. I've never fully seen the movie. I was very taken aback at the vibe of Tom Hardy arguing with Venom. Yeah. Like split personality. But like, I can't say this because I haven't seen it. It doesn't look like it's done very well. Like the, the voice of Venom is goofy to me. Oh, it is goofy. Yeah. Where he's like, argue it just seems like this concept could be cool but the execution just based on this trailer looks super like cornball oh yeah it's it's made for like 14 year old boys he's like oh i'll I'll let you eat everyone you promise yeah you promise promise you will it's like the voice oh man yeah i don't know dude the voice of venom is very like saturday morning cartoon you know yeah it is and i mean i guess like if you just go into it knowing that's what it is it could still be enjoyable but yeah you're right it's not even executed very well 
it just looks very much like I know the first one was a huge success, but man, this looks like just garbage. Uh, it looks it looks like a comic book movie that would have been made in like 2006. Right. Yep. We'll see. We'll see if there'll be we'll carnage see. cases. Keep Michael Keaton out of this. That's all I say. Case and next up, we got to talk about another A24 oh. movie. I, we both saw this trailer before uh, Green Knight, and yes. I know we were both excited. That's a movie called Lamb. This is, I think, in another, I mean, I know it's in another language. Is this Icelandic or like Swedish? I, I, I don't know. Don't where know. This it's place. in one of those things that Noomi Rapace speaks. Noomi Rapace. <laughs> Noomi Rapace. Um, anyway, this movie is about a, it looks like a husband wife who lives no out spoilers, in the- No spoilers. No spoilers. I mean, say okay. the premise, but don't say anything about <laughs> what happens. Well, I don't know. Then I can I what can I spoil? Basically, it's about a husband mo- and wife who live out in the middle of nowhere taking care of sheep, and uh, something happens where they. I I honestly don't even want to say anything more than that because I don't think the trailer really gives away what exactly is happening. No, it just looks like they can't have kids. Like there may be some fertility issues and then they get some kind of gift or curse. We don't know yet uh, right. from their barn. Um, That's a good way of putting it. It looks, I mean, you got to watch this trailer. It looks balls to the wall crazy, but it looks like it's filmed in a way that feels like a real high high quality movie, not like a schlock fest. It looks like this is one of those classic A24 movies that looks beautiful, is taken seriously, but with an outlandish like vibe and premise. Yes, totally. I agree. I, I think it's going to be awesome. <laughs> looks great. I don't think there's a release date for this yet, so we'll have to wait and see when this is coming out uh, here. Right. Case and next up, we got to talk about Big Willie style. He's back after uh, I praised him in Fresh Prince. He is in this new movie uh, that drops November 19th. This is in theaters and on HBO Max. It's called King Richard. This is about Richard Williams, uh, Venus, and Serena Williams, the famous tennis player's father. It looks like this kind of chronicles their journey into tennis superstardom and how their dad pushed them as hard as he could to kind of be great when they were little girls takes place in Compton where they're from. And, uh, what'd you think of this trailer? What'd you think of Will Smith trying to lean into a uh, serious acting mode? I'm trying to go for an Oscar here. Do you like it? Keenan? I didn't know anything about this movie before watching this trailer. And I was absolutely into it. A hundred percent. I was like getting emotional just watching the trailer. <laughs> wow yeah i'm not joking dude i was like feeling it hardcore literally when it ended i was like give me this movie right now i have no idea if that was just like my mood when i was watching it or what but i now i'm super excited for this because i thought it looked amazing i don't know about you casey you are in on the big willy style dude yeah i really i thought his performance as the dad just looked like perfect it looked great because going in, I know nothing about Richard Williams. I thought he was going to be more like a hard ass, you know, like an angry yeah. kind of like, hey, like get out there and practice and play. He almost just seemed more like eccentric, like yeah. kind of a, not a goofy character, but just a little more like he didn't seem nearly as authoritative as I thought. He seemed more like friendly, but just kind of like quirky. Yeah, you know? totally. I was into it. That's called King Richard. We'll see what Will Smith can do. Uh, that comes out November 19th. Awesome. Case and last trailer we're going to talk about is something starring Sean Penn. This actually comes out August 20th, so soon. This is called Flag Day. This is another trailer I saw before uh, Green Knight. And mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think of this, man? I'm kind of mixed on this one. What do you think of Flag Day? I don't know. It looks a little too much for me. <laughs> 
Like, it, I'm not sure exactly how to feel about it. This is about a father. This is like a father-daughter story. Sean Penn is the dad. It looks like it takes place in the past, the present, and maybe the future. And he plays like a kind of a con man slash counterfeit uh, scam artist type guy who is also trying to be a good father and like provide for his daughter. And it just kind of shows his daughter from the time she's a girl to the time she's a woman and just growing up with a dad like this. Yeah. Uh, and kind of everything they go through. I don't know. This looks to me, Sean Penn directed this. It looks a little too pretentious for my liking. Yeah. I kind of feel that too. Like it might be cool. It might be emotional, but it's hard to tell. It might also lean into the too much. Like he's kind of up his own butt with, uh, you know, his, sure. his, uh, the shots and camera work and stuff. So we'll see. I think it's getting good reviews, but, uh, you know, Sean Penn directed into the wild, which I loved. And while that movie is also fairly pretentious, it worked for the material. This movie, we'll just have to see if it's like fitting or if it's like distracting. Yeah, know? I agree. I also, agree. he cast his own daughter. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Might be cool. The private chemistry. Be cool. Unless she hates her, unless they don't like each other. That's true, but that'd be weird if you cast her. Good point, Kaysen. You're always coming through with the uh, logic. Okay, <laughs> Kaysen, that's it for movie trailers. Uh, let's move on to some things coming out in theaters this week. We got two movies, one of them a monster. That is The Suicide Squad. We've talked at length about this. James Gunn trying to resuscitate the franchise. What's your hype level going into The Suicide Squad? Are you going to see this in theaters? Or are you chilling with that HBO Max? Man, my hype level's high, obviously, because I'm an A-lister. I'm going to see it in theaters, going to see it on the big screen, watch this uh, crocodile man run around and chomp people. Or wait, is there nice. a crocodile man in this or shark man? There is a shark man. Shark you are man. incorrect. Uh, crocodile man was in the OG You're Suicide right. Squad. Forget that. Forget crocodile man. Give me the shark man. I'm ready for it. I think it's going to be great. Can't wait. We've said so much about this. Not much more needs to be said. The Suicide Squad coming out this week. We will have a lot to say next week. Yeah. Kaysen, the only other big release is coming out on Netflix, so you can watch that from the comfort of your uh, lazy boy. That is called Vivo. This is a Sony animation film written and directed, I believe. Or not not directed. Written, though, by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, gosh, Keenan. What do you think, dude? (laughs) I don't, it feels like blasphemous to say this, but like, I don't need any more of Lin-Manuel singing songs, man. Great writer. I, I, his voice is like too distinct now to where I, I can't listen to him singing in an animated movie. Like it's too much. It's very weird because didn't he also write the movie for that Disney movie called Encanto? Yeah, he did. But that looks awesome because he just wrote the music for it. Exactly. Like, that's what I was thinking too, dude. It's like Lin-Manuel is amazingly talented and he's really good when it comes to like the hip hop fused with singing. But when it's strictly just him singing melodies, I'm not vibing with it too much. I don't think he has that great of a singing voice. And it sounds like this movie, he is doing most of the singing himself. Yeah, not a good look. So we'll see. I still think the songs will be great. It looks like a good enough story. Um, And, you know, it's on Netflix, so it's not like you got to work too hard to watch it. Yeah, that's true. I might check it out. We will see. That's called Vivo. That comes out on Netflix this Friday. Cool. Kaysen, let's move on to my favorite part of the show. That's the mailbag. Are you ready to dive in? I'm ready. Let's do it. 
Let's dive into the mailbag case. And our boy Henrik wrote in with a great question. I thought we could talk about this because it's topical again. He said, I grew up absolutely loving Disney and can draw straight lines to good things about my upbringing due to Disney. I think they make amazing movies. But the dark side of it, the corporate side, the buying of other creative franchises, the weirdo stuff about Walt himself, it's a tough pill to swallow. In my opinion, uh, it's one of those choices you have to make if you're going to support Disney. He said, am I not going to let my hypothetical kids see something like The Lion King or all the cartoons I grew up watching? And he wants to know where we stand on it, Kaysen. He said, if you're a father, which I am, where do you stand? Would you ban something like The Lion King in your home just to take a stand against Disney as a corporate franchise? Or would you just let your kids be kids and watch it. I thought this was a great question about Disney just because of the stuff with Scarlett Johansson suing Disney and basically saying they, they breached their contract. They released black widow on streaming, which she was not informed of in that really the her base, her pay from black widow tied directly into the box office. So when you undercut that by putting it out on streaming, that is clearly hurting Scarlett Johansson's pay. She's suing Disney, taking it to them and saying enough is enough. And I think, you know, this is one of the many shady things Disney does. As Henrik mentioned, a lot of the other stuff um, is problematic as well. What do you think of Disney as a whole, Kaysen? Are you finding it tougher and tougher to support them? Yeah, honestly, I am. I mean, I think they are getting shadier and shadier, and I think it's becoming more apparent that they're just kind of willing to be cutthroat for the profit um, as we see them kind of move on through this whole pandemic period. Uh I'm not going to like, I mean, I wouldn't like ban the Lion King in my house or something like that, but it is something where, you know, I have to start thinking about like, oh, it sucks that I have to like give money to support this thing that I don't really approve of just because I want to see this content. You know, I think that is a fair thing to consider. Um, It's just hard because like they... I don't know. The Like the people involved in making the content are not the villains. You know what I mean? It's like the people kind of behind the scenes. So I don't want to punish the creatives by not seeing what they made. And obviously I want to see it. So at this point, I'm definitely still in the zone of like, I'm going to keep watching stuff, but it is definitely getting more uh, apparent. Yeah, Disney is a really like frustrating company. I do not like them. I don't I, I I'm a hypocrite though, because I realize I consume all of their content and I hate it. They just own so much, and that's the problem. They own so many different like, you know, franchises and stuff that I love. It's so hard to separate myself from them. But I mean, they're a messed up company, dude. The stuff they do in China um is ridiculous. I mean, there's situations like you know, infamously taking John Boyega off the Star Wars poster in China. Right. Because because of him being, you know, black and yep. how, you know, they didn't think it would sell as well. Like Disney is a hypocritical trash company, but it's like, what do you do? How I mean, yeah. o- other than what Henrik said, just straight up like boycotting them, which is so hard to do as movie watchers. It's like, I don't know really how you, how you uh, push back on that. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I I think that it just has to be a more vocal thing pushing back on it, but it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I I also don't like how big they're getting and how much they pretty much rule the theater. I don't think there's anything wrong with their streaming service and wanting to put their movies on streaming, especially with COVID and stuff, but it's like man alive when you start messing with people's contracts and they're famous for that. I mean, they they infamously screwed over Robin Williams in the original Aladdin. 
And I, I think uh, he said he would do the movie, be in the movie, as long as they didn't use him in any of the marketing. He yeah. did not want to be like the face of the movie, like come see this for Robin Williams. They agreed and signed a contract and they totally backtracked on that and used him in all the marketing. He was so pissed he did not return for the sequel, which is why he wasn't in it. Yeah. Uh, so, they, I mean, they have a history of doing stuff like this. And yeah, I don't know. The The bigger they get, I, the, the more frustrating they become for me. Yep, agreed. But Henrik, I, I, I unfortunately, I could not just straight up boycott them because I just watched too much of their stuff. And uh, like you said, Kaysen, I, I want to support the creators. It's just the the corporation behind the creators frustrating. Totally, yeah. Kaysen, our boy Fatty McGee 37, he's back and better than ever. He says, hey guys, Dear Evan Hansen or West Side Story, which musical are you most excited for? <laughs> uh, good question. For me, it's definitely Dear Evan Hansen because I'm just more familiar with the music and I've been more recently into it. But I'm excited to see both of them. Yeah, I think Dear Evan Hansen is probably going to be more rewatchable. You know what I mean? Where it just is going to have more like obviously peppy music, kind of yeah, like modern poppy music, and just like easier to digest and rewatch. But I think West Side Story should be a better made film. You know, coming from Spielberg, I think it's going to have more weight and gravitas to it, and especially just the story or the, you know the musical itself being yeah. as iconic as it is. Um, so I would say both are going to be great. I'm more excited personally to watch West side story just because I love seeing anything Spielberg does. And I feel like it's going to have all the bells and whistles of, Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah, for sure. Great question. Fatty McGee 37 as always, as always case. And last question of the evening, last question for the mailbag, our girl, Natalie Dogger writes in, she asked kind of an interesting one here. We can kind of go wherever we want with this. She says, who was your favorite actor or actress, I guess, five years ago? And are they still your favorite actor or actress? Um, Yeah, for this one, I mean, I would say five years ago, my favorite actor was probably Daniel Day-Lewis. I think he's oh the most incredible. Gosh. I mean, oh, okay. don't you think? I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> hard sure. To, hard I mean, to disagree with that. Um, And I feel like now it's it's kind of an interesting question because he's not really doing anything anymore. So I guess he's not my favorite actor anymore, even though I still think he's like the best recent actor that we've had. Um, so I don't know. I don't really know who my current favorite actor is. I haven't, I, I would need to think about it, but I guess, uh, it's changed in the past five years. Here's the thing. I'm going to be a little bit of a scumbag and not really answer this question, but I, it did get me thinking. Okay. Five years ago, I want to pinpoint an actor and an actress that I feel like I've had a really rough five years. <laughs> okay. Okay. Five years ago, I think if you could have picked an actor and actress that were on top of the world, okay, metaphorically speaking, Jennifer Lawrence was just crushing it, right? Yes. And I'd also say Channing Tatum was just, while not like is acclaimed of an actor, I feel like he was in everything. He was in the 21 Jump Street movie, 22 Jump Street. He was in uh, just a lot of great stuff. Like, I feel like you saw him everywhere. He was super relevant to the point where I remember thinking five years ago, I can't believe the dude from Step Up, who just looked like this meathead lug, you know, is actually so such a superstar. Yeah. And the weird thing is, flash forward five years, I feel like both of them, Channing Tatum and Jennifer Lawrence, have not technically vanished, but really fallen off pretty hard as far as just 
visibility in Hollywood. Yeah. I don't know if some of that's like their own doing or if they just kind of, you know, fell off. I, I don't really know why. I'm sure they, I know they have big projects coming up. Channing Tatum has this big movie with Sandra Bullock coming up that I think is going to be huge, like a romantic comedy. And Jennifer Lawrence obviously has that like Adam McKay directed, like DiCaprio co-starring movie. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think they're coming back later this year, but it's like, man, you talk about five years and how much has changed. I feel like both of them have kind of vanished for me. Yeah, I agree. They have. Anyway. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Channing and Jennifer. Nothing personal, but like, where you been? <laughs> yeah, where you been? Anyway, thank you for writing in, all three of you. Fantastic questions for the mailbag. Kaysen, we got one more thing to do before we put the bow on episode 29. We got to drop the MVP for the week. Are you ready? I'm ready for it. Did is is your prediction from last week true? Did we did we already etch it in stone? It's true. We etched it in stone, and I think he deserves it. Uh, Dev Patel, man, he just crushed it in that Green Knight movie. I think he's got to get the MVP for me this week. Let's go, dude. I'm in full agreement. I can only give this to Dev. I almost gave it to the director, David Lowry. Yeah, I thought he about crushed that. it too. But man, Dev Patel, what a leading man in this movie. Mm-hmm. Again, like. I love him and everything I see him in, in this movie, he really just commanded the screen. Like, even though he was in some weird grim scenarios, he was still very likable and just very watchable, you know? Yeah, totally. He was amazing. Dev Patel, we predicted it last week. It came true. We are shipping it to you in the mail. And that is what it is. You're the MVP of episode 20. Congrats, Dev. Congrats, Dev. Kaysen, that's it. That's it. We did it. We plowed through episode 29. It is what it is. Next week, we are going to have some big surprises. I'm not going to spoil them right now, Kaysen. I can't wait. Next week's going to be a doozy. We might have some... we might have some help with the the opinions and the thoughts, Kaysen. I'll leave it at that. Oh my gosh. You better tune in. You better tune in. Anything else before we say goodnight on episode 29? I don't think so. I think that's it. Kaysen, as always, thanks for joining me. It was a fun one, and I will see you uh, next week with full thoughts on Shark Man and the Suicide Squad. I can't wait. <laughs> see you next week. Good night. <laughs>